Netrodyne didn't invent fleet safety, but they revolutionized it. Netrodyne uses the proven power of positive reinforcement to create safer drivers and reduce driver turnover. Welcome to the Green Zone. Welcome to Taking the High Road, a Driver Reach and Freight Waves production. I'm your host, Jeremy Raymer, founder and CEO of Driver Reach. On this show, I interview industry experts and thought leaders who bring their insights to the driver life cycle as we discuss the industry's greatest challenges, driver recruiting and retention. I appreciate all the positive feedback on the show. Please remember to rate and review Taking the High Road and whatever platform you're using to listen. I'm honored and humbled to be chatting today with Ray Hate of Hate Consulting. To say Ray has had a long and storied career in trucking still doesn't do it justice. He's not only served as president and or CEO of multiple successful trucking companies, he's also a past chairman of the Truckload Carriers Association, past chairman of the Professional Truck Drivers Institute, past chairman of the North American Training and Management Institute, former CEO of the Canadian division of the business services firm ATBS, co-founder of a fleet benchmarking tool provider called StackUp, and a consultant to motor carriers, big and small, helping them operate more safely and profitably. Last but not least, He's the current retention coach at the Truckload Carriers Association, working to help fleets implement programs to reduce driver turnover. Great to see you, Ray. Welcome uh, to the show. Yeah, thanks very much. You know, it speaks to my uh, advanced years when you have to go that long and all these friggin' things. But yeah, no, thanks very much. Look forward to talking to you, Jeremy. Well, likewise, and uh, I, I, while it does, you you obviously embraced the industry a long time ago. We'll get into that in a minute. Uh, and, and it shows the staying power the industry has for people who pour their heart into it and then the, the success that comes from that. Uh, what I'd like uh, to talk about today is certainly want to touch on all of those uh, paths, you know, that your career has taken, how the industry has changed and, and, and evolved uh, throughout your 40 year career and the work that you're doing now with TCA to help fleets better manage driver turnover. And of course, we'll take a question submitted by a listener during our uh, deeper dive segment. Does that work for you? Sure does. Let's go at it. Man. Um, there's there's a lot to dive into, you know, around you know what you've accomplished in your career so far uh, and what you're currently doing. But before that, you know, I, I do want to get into your background a little bit. You know, you're you're uh, from what I understand, you're a second generation trucker. Uh, you actually started your career as a driver, an owner operator, and actually, uh, I believe, logged over a million uh, safe miles behind the wheel. Is that correct? That's true. Um, the uh... The background behind the background to some degree was my dad was a driver and he had a contract with a local shipper here. So he had three trucks and he, but he passed away very young. And I ended up with those trucks when I was 21, 22 years old. So that's kind of where it grew from there. Well, let's, let's unpack that a little bit because, you know, if I'm not mistaken, you were able to grow that uh, to a pretty good size operation. Can you, can you talk about what that journey was like back then? And, and um, you know, Share your experience. Yeah, no, it, 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 we got it up to 50 trucks or so. Um, and uh, I, I had some, you know, like a lot of trucking brats. And, or, you know, I was hanging around at different, you know, Peterbilt in these days and, and talking to different people and had some friends that were owner-operators. So I started hiring these guys. And, you know, I, I still remember going to the bank, the first load I ever gave to one of these guys. And I think I charged them 50 bucks for a load that went to California. But the thing for me was I had 50 bucks <laughs> and all I had to do was tell them to go. So I thought I had it made. So I went down the path of the owner operators, the trucks that I had then I sold them and bought trailers and hired these friends of mine 
and got the thing started. But I did drive for 10 years, um, long haul stuff, Texas, California. Um, there was a shipper here in London, Ontario that had a, a sister plant, Waco, Texas. So I was in Waco, Texas every Monday morning for a couple of years and, and loved it. Loved it. It was a different time, you know, obviously. And without the technology of today and without, you know, all the congestion that's out there, but I, I quite enjoyed it. But, you know, I'm a victim of uh, what the industry goes through all the time with uh, people that jump out. I, I finally uh, found the right uh, woman. We got married uh, and, uh, you know, we've got uh, grandkids now. But as soon as my kids came along, I decided that I'd try this business, start this business and get it going because my dad was gone the whole when I was a kid, he was gone. So I didn't want to be that guy. Understand. And that was that Southwestern Express? Yeah, that was Southwestern Express. Yeah, out of uh, London, Ontario. And because I, I do want to talk about the fact that as you as grew that company, you merged that company, if I'm not mistaken, with another uh, company, McKinnon Transport. Yeah, we had a McKinnon Transport had a, just built a brand new uh, terminal in Guelph, Ontario. And deregulation in Canada happened about 10 years after the U.S. So they built this beautiful big facility with, like, I'm talking 15 acres. It looked like a law office. I mean, I was in shock when I went down there. And, uh, you know, they had 60 trucks, but it was very regulated. The money they were making was outstanding, but they could see the pressure on rates were going to collapse. And they needed to have more equipment run out of that building. So Evan McKinnon and I became partners at Southwestern Express. And then eventually we had so much overlap with functions of the business and safety and maintenance and billing. So we amalgamated or consolidated those two companies. And uh, then we had Southwestern Express. That was uh, so, yeah, no, I had a good run down there. I, I really enjoyed it. I love working with people. We, we grew exponentially, which led to our own turnover issues. Kind of what I, you know, I talked about a little bit earlier. I just wrote an article about, you know, People that come out of trucks to start businesses and they wear all these hats and uh, you're the first dispatcher, you're the first biller, you're the first everything. And uh, being the first HR manager never really crosses your mind. And if you're growing exponentially, this stuff can get out of hand. And that's what happened to us. We went from never even talking about turnover to, hey, you know, we got 120% turnover. So that's what uh, I think that happens to a lot of companies. Well, you, you, uh, you, you attacked that. I think maybe that was one of the earliest uh, your efforts in the in the retention arena where you said, we got to do something about that. And I, if I'm not mistaken, you got that, that down closer to about 20%. Yeah, we actually got uh, sub-20 for a while, and we bounced a little bit, but never anything that was out of hand. But, uh, yeah, uh, I was pretty much the operating partner, and I pulled, uh, you know, Evan and, and I got together and said, you know, it's a son of a when you When you work this hard to build a business and you don't enjoy going to it, it, it's pretty hard to look in the mirror and feel that way. Besides which, I drove truck for 10 years. I, I knew that we were disrupting a lot of families for not a good reason. And I took it personally. And we sat down, we drafted up a project plan. We had a very good senior management team and uh, we executed on it. And we went from 120 to 20. Um, it took two years, but we got there. Sure. Well, you put an emphasis on it, you know, and, and you address it and you hit it head on, head on. And I think it's a really a great segue into what you're doing now at, at TCA. You know, you're in charge of something called the, you know, the TPP retention uh, uh, 
project or program. And, you know, we started, I believe in 2018 and you're the retention coach. I mean, so, you know, maybe if you could share a little bit about how this project came to be and, and, and what you do as TCA's retention coach. Well, the, the program that TCA markets um, is, it's a project plan. It's a project plan in a box. It's got to be adapted by the business supplies program, but it, is, it starts at step one and goes through the step 48, and you take it one step at a time. I contend always that, you know, the turnover issues you have in your business didn't happen overnight. You're not going to get rid of them overnight. And I always talk to the, the great vendors that we have at TCA and what they can do for retention. But I always quantify it with, you know, what they can do for retention is one thing, but what they can do for retention nested inside a very strong effort and commitment by a senior management team is to two totally different things. So the program itself, it starts in its infancy. It, it, it talks about culture. We talked about value statements. We talked about uh, communication action teams. I, I went through this whole thing, and I, it's kind of funny, Jeremy, because I, I would do my public speaking, and, of course, what's in the room typically with people I love, which is usually recruiters and safety managers. And I started to think more about how do you sell this at the, the, the C-suite, you know? How do I get the presidents in this room? And I know through our own experience, when we went from 120 to 20, we more than doubled our operating ratio. We went from hitting a lot of stationary vehicles and rolling vehicles to winning, you know, eventually three truckload carriers association national fleet safety awards. You know, these are the offshoots of a stable workforce. So in talking about those things and thinking it through, I, uh, I always had this thought in the back of my mind about Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And I did some research into that and it fit perfectly. So I transitioned the 12-step program that I had into overlaying Maslow's hierarchy of needs on it. And, and again, it worked just, it's easier to understand. It's easier to get. It's easier to understand where you might be on this pyramid of these five, uh, you know, five items that make up Maslow's hierarchy of needs. So it, it creates a nice foundation for this, uh, this project plan to work off of. Well, this episode is is airing after TCA's uh, annual conference, and, and you know, and, and and so you presented at TCA's annual conference in late September with good friend and fellow guest uh, of Taking the Higher Road, Brian Fielko of Jetco Delivery. Um, the workshop was called Safety and Retention from the C Suite, and and I spoke to I spoke to Brian beforehand, and, and he was really excited about working with you on that workshop. You're talking about talking to the C Suite and, and getting the presidents and the leadership involved. You know, what would you say were the most valuable takeaways from that workshop? Well, I, I can tell you that uh, Brian and I took about two minutes to bomb. You know, it was one of those things where you, you say hi to somebody an hour later, you look at the clock, say, I've been doing this for an hour. <laughs> you know, i got not something else to do. The, just the, the commonality of, uh, you know, his uh, thought line and, and his, what he's put together, which is an amazing product. And what I do, they're just, they go hand in hand. And of course, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, number one is, is sustenance. It's food, which equates to money in trucking. Number two is safety. If a driver's not being paid right, he doesn't think you're a safe company or his life might be threatened by driving for your company, they're, they're, they're not going to stay. 
they're going to leave. So these are both from the, uh, you know, his terminology, foundational principles behind retention. And from there, we just, we just clicked. Like that little presentation we did was really three questions, I think. Might have been four. And an hour later, we're done, you know? And we could have went for hours and hours more because, uh, you know, and I love dealing with people with passion. Brian's got passion. Um, I tell the people that are, you know, that may have waned over the years about TCA and should they be members and not members and all the rest of it. If you ever get a chance to go to the TCA safety meetings with all those professionals there, that is, you know, that'll rejuvenate your thought process about the whole industry. So much passion. Um, I just love it. Just love it. Now, yeah, and I and I couldn't agree more. How do you how do you evaluate uh, you know a fleet's a driver retention program? Is it are they all they're all a little bit different? Do you take a look at you know what they're doing today and, and where they're trying to get to and you know and if so, how do you determine what types of strategies to implement to to help address them? Well, you know, it's 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 so much harder now. Of course, COVID, uh, post COVID, not post COVID, but as far into COVID as we are, because I used to. Um, I used to make trips to these terminals, and I loved it. I loved it. Usually the night before, I'd get out with the owner or maybe their senior management team and spill a couple of drinks and shoot the breeze and get some feeling for what's going on. And then it's always nice to get in the terminal because they're, you know, I can tell going into a terminal, if I, especially if I can get in the driver's room with a couple of drivers, that you can tell kind of the culture of the whole thing. Um, but now it's, it's COVID time, so everything zoom, zoom, zoom. And, uh, you know, it, it, I don't pull back at all. I am what I am. I'm a trucker. Um, I don't pull punches. I don't need to at this stage of my life. So I go at them with the hard questions. And if I don't get fairly quick answers or I get a lot of subjective BS with it, then I know that there's a coming to reality that, that probably hasn't happened with whoever the leadership is I'm talking to. Um, you know, stuff like, well, our turnover used to be, well, before we moved the turnover, well, you know, I, I can tell you a lot of that. I, I deal with people who can tell you they're weekly, they're monthly, they're short-term, they're long-term. If they have different divisions, they can rhyme those numbers off like they're cash because they are, and they get it, you know. So you just play that game. The other thing, you know, there is some commonality, even though every company is different. There's always commonality in what's going on. And, and one of the ways I flesh that out is I get the senior managers do, uh, I have a survey. They do it. It has about 32 questions to it. And we find out what kind of the gaps are from where they are to where maybe they should be. The other telling thing, um, if we get to that point, is we have the frontline workers do it. Now you've got the front where the rubber hits the road. Then you've got the senior management team. What are the gaps there? Because, you know, people in ivory towers sometimes don't take the time to go to the front lines and see what's going on but one of the things that's always common when I, and I do a workshop and you squat test you do all these things the weaknesses are almost to a company it's commitment to a program and that commitment is amongst the team that's there you know which is always a, a little bit revealing to the president of the business I mean accountability we say we're going to do these things but quite often we don't you know so there is some commonality, but uh, anyways, that's how I kind of unearth a little bit. I can usually tell 
you know, in a fairly quick conversation, um, what the situation is. But it, you know, you got to have commitment. If I don't have commitment, I can't help you. I just can't. It just doesn't make sense to waste my time because, you know, unless you got everybody on board, um, or you're prepared to kick people off that you know the board doesn't. <laughs> aren't playing the game. I call them bobs. They're bobbing their heads, but their loyalty is to the past, not to the future. And uh, loyalty to the past is a bad thing. It's not just the commitment, but it's the commitment from everyone, right? It's the C-suite, it's the it's the leadership, and everyone all the way throughout, because it's not one person's job or one department's job. It's the entire company's responsibility. I tell them we've won You've won when you've got, uh, you know, the people doing office cleanup and sweeping the floors in the shop. Not that those jobs are menial, but they're not typically looked at as people who participate in this type of effort. Well, they are. They're critical. Um, so when you've got it driven down to that level, now we got something going here. We can work with this, you know. But yeah, no. You mentioned COVID-19, right? And, 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 you know, one of the themes on our show lately has been the, the idea that, that driver recruiting and driver retention seems to be changing on a, on a fundamental, you know, foundational basis as we navigate through this COVID-19 era. And, and you know, how do you describe these changes or how, how can fleets adapt? You mentioned, you know, Zoom. This is, this is the way a lot of us are communicating now. Any other things that you can, uh, you know, recognize that, that, that we need to adapt to in this new era? Parts of the, of the program and even in my consulting is just so much of it's communication. People want to be part of a community. And, you know, my, my good friend Danny Baker talks about the Mossbacks and all those guys. We've heard those things and he's absolutely right. But but they want to be part of something. And, and they want to be part of something good. I call it right for the brand. You know, we used to be that way. So we got to communicate. We got to really give a solid message. We got to show people that we care. We got to show people that we mean it, not just talk the talk. You know, I sign my signatures, deeds, not words. You know, I, I, I tell drivers that are from Missouri, don't tell them what you're going to do for them. Show them. So bigger emphasis on, on communication than ever before. And I've always said that, you know, if you look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you get into money and you get into safety and, Right on the pyramid, I didn't put it there. He did. It says demotivators. Well, they're demotivators because you can do those things. We all know people, I'm sure you do, who were making really good money at a job. They hate it. And they left. And they're working for less money somewhere else, but on a better team, better, you know, better community, the whole bit, just better culture. So these things are critical. So those demotivators, most trucking companies, they get there. And the rest for them is just soft and fluffy. You know, it doesn't have anything to do with delivering freight. In the meanwhile, it has everything to do with running a business. Everything. You know, once you get into communication, you get into recognition, self-actualization, those things are critical. And some very, very large companies are very successful at it and are doing very well with it. Um, and they've got best-in-class margins. Yeah, communication solves the world of of. of- problems absolutely that that's translatable uh not just obviously in, in driver retention but in, in any business relationship and your home and your family uh relationship as well yeah and you know it's the other part to this for me is uh you know if you ask somebody's opinion <coughs> excuse me i ask your opinions because i value it because i value you you know if i ask for your help it's because i value if i keep you in a in a dome and i never share anything with you i really don't care what you think and then 
you know, it, it just leads to bad things. Now, you've worked with so many fleets over the years, uh, and I'm sure you probably have at least one, you know, funny or outrageous story from over the years that uh, about something that you've seen a fleet do to try to manage, you know, recruiting and retention. I know this may be putting you on the spot a little bit, but is there anything that comes to mind that you can share that was like, you know, really that, that stood out funny or outrageous? Outrageous I've got. I mean, I've got outrageous and ridiculous and, and piles of one of them in this company's no longer in business. And I'm not surprised. I, when I was chairman of TCA, I was still talking retention. That's what I kind of ran on and, and did my, uh, my term in talking about our labor force. So I go to this company and, and I'll say it was in Indianapolis, but you know, I'm walking around this terminal and I'm with the recruiter. And he's got 25 people in a orientation class. And he says to me, he leans in and he says, you know what, I can tell you the five or six that will be here in two weeks. And I said, what the heck are you hiring these people for? And, of course, he was hiring to a number. His job was going to be threatened unless he put, you know, bums in the seats, even though he knew and probably other people around him knew that they weren't going to last. You know, now just tack that on of the number that, you know, we, we presuppose cost of a hire is. And it's, it's a, you know, I've got a lot of those stories. I, I, some of the stuff that I've seen going into a terminal, even for people, probably especially for people who are outside the industry, you drive into a nice big terminal and there's the last five wrecks. They're crumpled up in the corner, you know, and I'm thinking, how did how do you think your drivers feel when they see that? When you're, you're doing an orientation, these new guys, newbies are coming in and they're seeing that stuff? I mean, you got one chance to make a first impression. You're not cutting it for me. Well, you know, you see things like that um, that are, you know, kind of disheartening. But, you know, that just gives you another indication of the amount you've got to climb with those businesses. Well, yeah, no, that's a, that's a, that's a good point. And I, on the flip side, you know, I, I know you've seen – you know, some really smart and innovative approaches to driver retention, and which leads me to our deeper dive segment where we take a question from one of our listeners. And the question is, and this is this is a tough one to answer because it's sort of like saying what's the silver bullet, but what is the most effective strategy for improving driver retention? What what, what would you suggest if that were you know if that's the you, you got one shot here? What you know what's the most effective? Well, you, I don't think you could be successful with one shot. If I had to start somewhere, start over again, you know, it, it always starts with leadership. You know that. I mean, a good leader can go into any situation and, and they'll they'll figure it out. But they'll figure it out through collaboration. They'll figure it out through, uh, you know, the, the senior management team and suggesting, you know, what has got to change and why it's got to change and why everybody needs to be on track. And pulling the same direction. Um, when you can get that as a start, then you've got a foundation to work, to work off. If you can't get that to start, um, then you're going to really have a hard time getting any kind of sustainable uh, results in, in a retention effort. It really is culture. It's, it's the culture of the business. And, you know, when I went to 120%, the culture of my business was growth. Grow, 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 grow. We, you know, I, I wanted to do a certain number and we were doing it, but we didn't see what was, you know, that we were losing some really good people along the way. Now, you were, uh, you mentioned uh, being chair of the TCA. When you were chair, it was, it was some tough times economically, you know, for, for, you know, everyone, not just in the industry, I mean, worldwide. 
uh, you know, March 2008 through you know March of 2009, I, I think was your was your term. Um, what what was that like? How did you help your members navigate uh, with what was happening in the economy then? And then maybe what would be your message to carriers navigating today's environment, which is a lot different. I mean, COVID nineteen and and the Great Recession, while they're two pivotal pivotal events in our history, they um, are dramatically different in in the underlying economic activity that that surrounded them. yeah so you know that was the subprime uh, mortgage debacle that that uh, really kicked the heck out of everybody at the time uh, i remember as chairman um the association didn't make the room block commitment that we had and uh, we were dealing with gaylord pumps and they actually gave us a concession they made us pay it but they gave us a credit for the next time that's why if everybody's wondering why we keep going back to Gaylords, that's one of the reasons they showed us uh, some pretty good loyalty there. So, but you know, uh, we coined a phrase. I remember, you know, you're still on the officers' corps your year after your chairman, and uh, Kevin Birch was our incoming. Kevin's still a dear friend of mine. At any rate, we uh, we used to call him the Walking Dead. Well, here's his companies with no money; they're running just on negative cash flow, but there's so many of them that the banks didn't want the assets back. They had no place to put them. It was that bad. Um, so, you know, it was very difficult. What did we do as an association? We did much the same as what Dennis Dillinger did, and he did a great job during his chairmanship where we tried to give information out about how to survive this and how to move on and how to get going. But, you know, when we talk about these things, it surprises me to this day, Jeremy, that, you know, when you talk about those challenges, you talk about COVID, you talk about that subprime debacle, you talk about, you know, what other recessions we got. These are businesses, business challenges. And we weather them. We figure them out. We scratch and we claw and we, we maintain until we can prosper once again. We do what we can. But when it comes to retention, retention is nothing more than another business challenge. It's a serious business challenge. When you have an unstable workforce, you're going to have an unstable balance sheet. Guarantee it. you got to stabilize that thing. How are you going to figure that out? So it, it, it always gets me, and I've dealt with some really good companies. I, I really am flattered some of them I have. And I've been a part of companies that have been well over 150% turnover that are now kicking it at 30. So I've seen the work that goes into it. I've seen the benefits. And, and we are people. We're, you know, we're, we're destroying a lot of families. We're sending... You know, this old adage, the driving, go get a job the next day. Well, yeah, but we've disrupted this cash flow. We've disrupted something here. They've got to make car payments. They've got kids. They've got to get groceries, the whole bit. Like you and I used to have to do once upon a time. And, uh, you know, it's just not necessary. It's a friggin' business challenge. Get on with it. Take it on head on and let's beat this thing. That's so that floors me when you talk about COVID, you talk about subprime. This is just another business challenge. We can do it. Very well said. And, and Ray, I really appreciate you joining me today. It's great talking to you as always. And I look forward to seeing you again soon. Yeah, thanks again, Jeremy. Nice seeing you. Take care. Thanks for joining me for another episode of Taking the Higher Road and for spreading the word to your industry peers. We really appreciate it. Remember, you can submit any questions or comments, including those which may appear on upcoming Deeper Dive segments at podcast at driverreach.com. And don't forget to rate and review Taking the Higher Road on whatever platform you use to listen. Until next time, thank you for taking the higher road.